0: Thank you for joining me for the Coal Mind Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's February 27th, 2022. In this episode, I interview my old friend, Ann Niffin principal with the architecture firm of Perkins Will. She is one of the most respected experts in the Dallas area on the topic of interior architecture for business spaces and professional service firms, such as law firms in particular. In this episode, I talked to Ann about how law firm spaces are likely to evolve as the workforce and the economy continue to return to a more normal footing after the COVID-19 pandemic. Her answers are informative and practical, both about design trends for modern professional service firms and the modern post- pandemic workforce more generally. Also, if you notice an occasional tremor in Anne's voice, please know that she has a vocal cord condition called spasmodic dysphonia, which you may be familiar with from the popular NPR host, Diane Rehm. I salute Anne's courage in joining me on the podcast for an audio interview. I think you'll enjoy Anne's perceptive remarks and find them useful as the pandemic continues to recede. And I wanted to thank you for coming on with me today. I don't do a lot of architecture programs or design programs, but it seemed so very timely as we come back to the workplace to be thinking about how we as lawyers and judges and business people want to be putting our spaces together. So I really appreciate you coming to visit and talk through some of those issues.
1: Thank you, David. I always appreciate your curiosity about design and architecture and commercial real estate.
0: So the conventional wisdom, what you hear online and what people talk about when they or getting water from the cooler is that after the pandemic, after we were all sort of forced to involuntarily experiment with working from home for a very long time. People are coming back to the office and businesses are rethinking how much space do they really need and are making plans in some way to shrink down, use less space. Is that what you're seeing out there? And if you are, what kinds of things are people thinking about as they approach their space needs?
1: Well, the actual statistics show that net least space has not really shrunk that much, perhaps 15%. Lease absorption of vacant space is a different story that has drastically slowed. Is that
0: just a product of that people haven't had a chance to do anything about their leases yet? They have terms they have to live out or is it that people aren't really as excited about downsizing as it might have seemed?
1: I think there is hesitancy in a lot of businesses sort of waiting it out until their workers are actually back in the office space.
0: When do you think people will be fully back if that phrase has any meaning anymore? I ran into someone on the street from another law firm in town uh, on the way here who said today was their first official day back in the office. You know, it seems like those days get pushed further and further back. What are you seeing there?
1: I do see February 15th as a marker, also March 1st. But some tech firms are holding on to a later date, like April or May.
0: When firms are looking at their return to the office plans, or looking down the road from when their leases run out, are they going to just do more of the same? Or do you see some thinking about strategically, what kinds of space do we need, what should we prioritize, that kind of thinking about their space needs?
1: A couple of things are happening. First of all, people don't want to invest in changing their space yet. So they're using free address or hybrid workspace. So they're taking the same configuration, but perhaps assigning it differently so that they can lower the density. People are less comfortable with density coming back after the pandemic. And also we get a lot of Questions about how can I make the office more of a destination? So, inserting more collaborative space, inserting amenities like gaming rooms and uh, lounges, that has become top of mind.
0: What do you mean by hybrid space? It sounds very exotic to have hybrid space, but what what sort of things does that mean practically when I walk into an office and see something like that?
1: Hybrid workspace means that people are not assigned 100% to the same space. So you may check into a desk and then you may check in later into a meeting room. It means using the space in a variety of ways to support the organization.
0: There's a trend out there in the world, independent of businesses picking their own space. There are, of course, businesses in the business of providing space, hoteling-type things. Do you have any clients that approach you about how to design that kind of space, providing services for other workers and smaller businesses that need spaces to sometimes do their work?
1: So we do have clients that are under construction building a section of the office as so-called hoteling space for workers that are from other locations or work that are not there enough to create a full-time office. And as you know, co-working space in general has only also dropped about 15 percent, and everybody is in the co-working business, building landlords are building co-working space. All the major commercial real estate brokerage firms have co-working divisions. So it's very popular, and of course, you find co-working spaces in downtown and in suburban areas because they can provide an alternative workspace for somebody who wants to be close to they're
0: What makes a good co-working space? I've been through several. I've been to different events at different spaces. I never really stopped and studied them, though, as to what would make a good set of offerings. Is there some configurations that make more sense than others that are more successful in the market than others?
1: They play to their market. So some would be a combination of open plan and private office. And they all feature collaborative space, uh, support space, um, where you can get secretarial help access printers and copiers. Um, some of them, you know, have social spaces, but the best thing about co-working is that it's flexible and you only have to make a low commitment by the day, by the week, or by the lifetime.
0: In hearing you talk about hybrid spacing or hybrid space (laughs) and what that means for assigned offices, I react and think in some lines of work that probably makes a lot of sense. In others, say law, for example, I think people would naturally resist that. People kind of have this idea that you need your own personalized workspace. You've sort of made your own with uh, deal toys and computer equipment that you're used to and, and that sort of thing. Are there particular businesses that tend? to be more interested in hybrid space-type designs than others, or is that something you're seeing kind of across the board?
1: I would say technology companies have embraced it. Corporate America is embracing it, but you're right, law firms are really patting themselves on the back that they hung in there with the mostly private office model because it helped get them back from the pandemic more quickly. And lawyers still really beg for that private space where they can concentrate and do Heads down work
0: alone. One phenomenon that I've seen in downtown with professional service firms like law firms is you have, you rent a floor, two floors in an office building, and historically you would put professionals around the outside attorneys paralegals were looking out the windows at the downtown views and then in the middle you would put your filing your back-of-office type functions these days there is no filing because it's all electronic and there really aren't back-office functions that firms have anymore they obviously still have HR but there's those are generally outsourced to other companies or to people who are working in a remote location have you seen that and if so what are people doing with the middle of buildings? It seems like a real challenge with some of these larger floor plates.
1: So it is a planning challenge and you're exactly right. The support space has vanished. So we are doing uh, designs that involve a lot of clear vision glass so that you have that outside ring of private offices, but it's glass. And then on the interior, you can also do a lot of interior glass offices so that everybody's working in a glass box. Yeah. With that, you, know, you do have to make sure that the circulation areas and that the associated collaboration and meeting room areas are interesting, that the corridors are wide. You let that daylight come in through the outside ring of offices and then create a very Interesting interior space. It also utilizes a lot of glass. I
0: drove the other day by, it was up in Plano, I believe, and I drove by a large corporate campus that had been built there probably in the last 10 years, and it looked awfully lonesome. I don't think there was anyone in it. The parking lot was largely empty. And I thought, oh my goodness, those people spent all that money on that building and now nobody's in there or wants to be in there or really needs to be in there. We had any experiences as, as we've come out of the pandemic with that kind of construction where someone built a dedicated space for one company and all these different employees and now maybe rethinking whether or not that was a great use of money and resources.
1: We've seen that exact type of dilemma where developers and investors are purchasing these abandoned headquarter campuses and Hiring architects to find new uses and creative ways for them to be able to lease the space. But an inward-focused corporate campus, you're right, it's, it could become a dinosaur. It's much more sustainable to put your corporate workers in the middle of a vibrant neighborhood that offers all of the amenities that they're trying to supply in that corporate campus, but lift up the whole neighborhood where that neighborhood can share those amenities, such as restaurants and running trails and outdoor space that people crave uh, near the office.
0: That's interesting you mentioned reusing parts of buildings. We've seen that here in downtown quite a bit. There's more than one 1980s office building has been turned into part hotel Part office, part apartment. It seems to be a real trend around here. Is that a, something you're seeing in downtown and other similar older buildings?
1: I think it's great to take some of these abandoned buildings and find new uses. The Thompson Hotel is a great example of a building that virtually was not used for 10 or 15 years, maybe 20 years. But by bringing more residential and more hotel, and therefore retail follows, it's making downtown a more vibrant place to be 24-7, making it perhaps more like uptown Dallas, which already has that kind of texture in the neighborhood.
0: What looked like dead buildings five, ten years ago, and certainly seemed dead with perhaps the current tenant configuration, some of them may actually be the keys to some real life down here once they're repurposed and reorganized. To bring exactly,
1: in. and we celebrate the fact that that's such a sustainable thing to do.
0: Speaking of sustainability, one of the challenges of working with some of these older buildings downtown is doing work that makes some of those older buildings a little more environmentally sustainable, a little more environmentally sensitive. As people come back and think about their workspace needs and organizing themselves, how does environmentalism and ideas of a sustainable structure for the office work into design ideas? Or-
1: As we discussed earlier, people are less comfortable with very dense Worker floor plates, so they're not going to occupy them at that same density. Um, they might have people on a rotation where some of the workstations are occupied some days and being alternating schedules. Density causes you to have to have more air conditioning, it causes you to have to have more fresh air intake. And um, people are asking questions of their architects and of building landlords about fresh air post-pandemic.
0: If a law firm approached you out of the blue and said, we just want to start over again. Our lease is up and we want to get a fresh start. We're open to typical sort of downtown building is what we're focused on. But within that, you pretty much have carte blanche. Give us some direction as to what we need to be thinking about and what we ought to be doing. What the top two or three things you'd recommend they give serious consideration to? So- well,
1: I think law firms are looking to the future, and top of mind would be recruitment and retainment. So locating your office in a building that provides the young workers and the recruits a feeling of being able to exit the office and easily find food, find entertainment, find a running trail or a fitness option, that seems to be critical as part of site selection, but we would also encourage them to look at the um sustainable rating of the building and to look carefully at the program of the space where we can do a predictive program to understand the configuration of the space should it be deep should it be narrow do we need a lot of perimeter windows taking a hard look at all those things before you actually go to market and look at space because then you get into whether you want second generation space sure and the you know, alternative economics uh, to first generation versus second generation space.
0: So building on that, if we could wave our magic wand at our crystal ball, or however you want to say it, and look, say, 10 years down the road, hopefully the pandemic's done by then, and people have made, people are just now thinking about some decisions, have actually made them and seen them all the way through. I'm assuming lawyers are still going to be generally around downtown because the courthouses are here. What would you expect to see as you walk through downtown and kind of looked in buildings and in of who was using what amounts of space and how they were using that space as compared to
1: today. I've been reading articles about a flight to quality. People prefer class A space. Also, as you know, downtown has grown to absorb a lot of uptown and a lot of the law firms and accounting firms are actually in what we call Uptown, That's true. where they can get their name on the building because it's a medium height building with eyebrow and top of building signage. And they do have that live work play neighborhood. We have the Clyde Warren Park and the Katy Trail and all of the great restaurants and entertainment venues. And it's encouraging that companies like Goldman Sachs are picking downtown Dallas as a site. Site that's been touted for their relocation. So I think that bodes well for the future of downtown.
0: I, I know exactly the kind of building you're talking about and how that affects the ground life around it and how people can walk to work if they live nearby. And the flip side of that I began by talking about how we all had an experiment in working from home and what effect that had on our traditional workplaces. We were all working from home for uh, several months, a couple of years even, and we discovered all kinds of offices in our house that we didn't know were there. Uh, I certainly discovered that our dining room table could handle enormous amounts of work that it had never been asked to do ever before. Are you seeing people part of rethinking their own individual space needs, thinking about redoing their home office, adding to their home office, thinking of the home and office as the same thing, perhaps? What are you seeing in that area?
1: So surveys are showing that a lot of working America will work Mondays and Fridays at home. I do think some form of homework is here to stay for many of us. And as we shift from the dining room table to find a space in our house that offers more privacy and perhaps better ergonomics, better access to the right technology, I do think that a house that has one or two spaces that can be separated from the main living area to provide a functional office would be highly desirable. And we're seeing lots of kits that are being offered by commercial furniture manufacturers, you know, can afford purchase a good task chair.
0: We talked earlier about a law firm that had a chance to invent itself from scratch. It sounds like a home builder who was building in a neighborhood who knew that professionals would be moving in there would be well advised to think about some of those things about what would be attractive for a home office because that would be a real selling point in this economy.
1: I would agree. I mean what we used to call the game room or the mother-in-law quarter, you know, it's probably flexible to be an office today.
0: My next question or two is about a structure of office that I'm not that familiar with in a law firm setting, but I know it's a thing, which is this concept of a hub and spoke, where you have a central office for certain functions of your business and then spoke offices with more specialized or perhaps secondary functions. What are you seeing in that area with that model in light of our return to the workplace?
1: I see a lot of companies running demographic studies to see where their workers are, and a lot of those backhouse support workers, you don't actually prefer to be suburban. And so it helps support hiring and recruiting the right type of person. Uh, So it's
0: actually, in some ways, a plus. Instead of saying, I want you to do IT for my law firm and I expect you to drive downtown four days a week, I can say, I want you to do IT, you can work at my specialized place up in Plano and come downtown maybe once a year for the office party. And that's a plus.
1: Exactly. Come downtown for training and you only have to check into that suburban office maybe two days a week. I think it gives employers a lot of options to be able to be recruiting effectively. And getting the right salary levels and qualified workers, we're seeing that trend accelerate toward a hub and spoke type approach to real estate as the real estate decisions come around.
0: It sounds like that's part of the overall trend to so sort of more flexibility and more options for workers uh, that you see in. Downtown, maybe in one floor, and who you put on the floor. In a larger business, you would see it in physically what part of the city you're in. It's that same concept of flexibility and choice.
1: And that's been combined with wanting to design a greater amount of hospitality type look into the space to create that feeling of a destination.
0: Is that just with the hub or with the spokes as well? I would say the
1: spokes as well. Our clients are saying, how do we get them to come in the office? Are there amenities or features or maybe just a, a great design?
0: So old people like me, we come downtown, we park a car, we go into our office, and that seems normal and that seems like something that is a desirable thing to do. I'm not representative of who's coming out of college, who's coming out of the law and professional schools now. What's your sense of what recent graduates entering the workforce entering these professional service firm type of jobs want to see when they go to work in terms of their space.
1: So I think that's another feature of hybrid workspace is being able to work multiple places within the office. So the office looks different in terms of the way it's designed so that you have choices in terms of collaboration areas and meeting rooms. And we're also designing meeting rooms that pay special attention to being able to have a meeting with people who are in the office and people who are not in the office and have it feel seamless through the technology where everyone's on equal footing.
0: On Monday and Tuesday I could work on the north end of the building because I'm working on a particular project. (laughs) On Wednesday I could work in the big open room in the middle when I'm not really working with anybody in particular and just want to catch up with people. This has been invaluable. What I take away is a number of relatively small insights about this preference here, that preference here, but taken together, they're profound. The impact they'll have on the workspace and the way we'll be interacting with each other over the next five, ten years and and the way we then go about doing our business. So it sounds like an exciting time to be in your line of work.
1: It is. It keeps us hopping.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Today on Coal Mind, I welcomed my guest Ann Niffin to discuss how the office design requirements for professional service firms, including law firms, have evolved as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. I learned that over the next five to ten years, I can expect to see change not only in office layout and use, but in the plans and use for large downtown and uptown office buildings as well. In upcoming episodes of Coal Mind, I look forward to bringing you more interviews about how our society has been changed by the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as observations about the ongoing confirmation process for a new Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. If you like this episode, I encourage you to join other satisfied listeners to leave a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And I also wanted to thank my college classmate, Susan Levine, for providing the music that I use to begin and end each podcast episode. She has a band called the Lied Twos, and if you enjoy these snippets, you should check out her songs and albums. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon.